Hey, what's going on? It's CVV, Chris Van Vliet, and you are checking out the Three Count Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the 200th episode of Now Into the Ring. I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. That's right, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling you can call me sherpa you should call me your sherpa but like every good sherpa you gotta have somebody who's been there done that and can do it more efficiently than you can and so that's why it's never about me but it's about who's entering the ring and who do we have entering the ring today well this man has survived the ankle lock from ken shamrock survived chops from one tyler breeze and sean spears he has even taken an omelet off of mjf's plate this is the man himself. You guys see him on his show, Insight, and you guys also catch him on Russell Talk. He has been all around the world and interviewed The Rock not once, not twice, not three times, but nine times. He is the man himself, Chris Van Vliet. What an intro. My goodness. Can we just end it right there? Who needs to hear from me when we've got an intro like that? Good Lord. That was amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. Congratulations on episode 200. Now, I'm not sure. Should I be calling you Cliff, Clifford, Red Dog, or, or Sherpa? You know what? It, we'll go with Red Dog because you know okay. what? It, it, works. it works for me. Red Dog the Sherpa. <laughs> well, first, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. I definitely, I definitely am hyped about this. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for being on the live with me the other day. And man, I'm excited to dive into this. Yeah, so right before we were going to start recording, I told you that all this is because of you, right? And I say that because when we first started this show, and this is going to be awesome, this is something that the, the, even my fans don't know, right? So when we started this show, I actually hit you up on Twitter and asked you a question specifically. How do I bring on wrestlers to my podcast, right, and interview them? Because I saw the, I saw your interview that you had done with Dolph Ziggler in his hotel room in Florida. And you responded by just saying, like, hit up the indie scenes, go work those rounds, talk to people little by little. And then once you start getting a following, start asking bigger names to come on. And so I followed that advice. And every once in a while, like, I would drop into your lives and just, like, ask a random question, right? But you would keep giving more advice. And I would just keep following everything that you were saying. Sure. And now we're here at episode 200. <laughs> well, congrats, man. That's amazing. And, you know, it's a question that I get asked a lot is how do I start to interview wrestlers? And pretty much wherever you live, there's either indie wrestling in your town or indie wrestling in a town or a city close to you. So I always say, just go to those shows. And the, the thing that wrestlers love talking about the most is themselves. So go to those shows do some interviews with some people there, some men and women there, and then just start building on that. And then eventually you'll start to get some bigger names. So I'm glad you took my advice and look where it's led you. Right. And what's so cool is that like, this is such a unique platform. And I say that because like, I know a lot of people have like podcasts, right? A lot of people do. But what makes this, and I know a lot of like guys that are like in WWE and AEW, they have their platforms, they have their vlogs, right? Like Sammy. But like, what makes this unique is that like, I'm only been in the, I've been in the sport now just under two years. And actually when this episode comes out, full transparency, this is being filmed in 2021. It'll be two years um, that I've officially been in the sport. So I like, I have this unique perspective where I can go into the locker room, 
shake hands, meet everybody, talk to them, and then just ask questions like, hey, I want you to come on a podcast. So that was totally cool. And then they're like, yeah. So it's it's been really cool. And I really was like very appreciative of the fact that you were like, yeah, just try this and then just see how it works. And I was like, yo, let me let me keep going. And then I saw you in the live and I was like, well, we have our 200th episode coming up. Let me just ask you. <laughs> Well, look, congrats on 200 episodes because so many people talk about starting a podcast, so many people dream about it, and then they never end up actually doing it. Or they'll start, they'll get like three episodes in, see that they got like 17 downloads, and they go, well, yeah, it's not for me, and then just give up. Uh, There's actually like a term for that. It's called pod fading. People will just kind of fade out. They'll put in all this time, all this effort, and go, ah, nobody's paying attention. I'm out of here. So congrats for sticking with it because- I know firsthand what it's like when you're getting, you know, nobody that's listening or nobody that's watching. But if it's interesting to you, it's going to be interesting to other people. It's just a matter of them finding it. Yeah. And you're right. And I know like, uh, like, and I, I don't, I don't, I guess for me, like the show myself is like you said, it's interesting to me because I get to hear different stories from everybody. Yeah. But we average, and full transparency for our listeners and this don't matter to me we average like eight to ten listeners an episode and i'm totally cool with that because we've had over 200 episodes and now you're thinking it's something like eight thousand listens so i'm totally cool with the fact that we have such like a small following but the most important thing is that like i get to go back and re re-listen to all these episodes and pick up like little truths or knowledge that i didn't catch the first time and so yeah. that's why i love i love this show And these are your people, right? Who cares if it's eight or 10 or 810 or 8,010, whoever, however many people, those are your people and Mm -hmm. they're engaged. And the cool thing I love about podcasting is people, generally speaking, will listen from start to finish. Whereas on a YouTube video, they'll pop in for like 15 seconds and go, yeah, let's move on to something else. But (laughs) a podcast, people are like, all right, I've got an hour commute to work or an hour workout or I'm going to walk the dog for an hour or whatever it happens to be. And they're like, all right, I'm committed to listen to this whole thing. Yeah. And it's, it is cool. It is cool to see it. I know I've had, um, I had some fans reach back out and they're like, Hey, I, because I live in the DMV, right. I've had some people reach out to me and they're like, Hey, I didn't know anything about this wrestler. So I listened to your podcast mm. and I get to know this person. And then when I go talk to him, I feel like I have a connection with them already. And I'm like, that's pretty cool because I never thought of it that way. But yeah. to hear people say, it, I'm like, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, there's something that's so intimate about a podcast. And I think it's because it's, this is one-on-one, right? Like it's right. just me and you talking right now. And if someone's listening, chances are they're either listening in their car and it's probably just them in their car or they're listening in just their AirPods. So it's like, we are actually in their ears right now. Just the three of us hanging out. I'm sure like someone's out there having a, cause I do it all the time. Like I listen to your show, right? I listen to insight all the time. In fact, oh, wow. like next Thank to my you. show, it's your shows like in between like every other episode, oh, but wow. I listen to your show, but I genuinely have a discussion while you are asking questions to other guests. And I find myself just like asking a question and I don't get the answer. But I'm like, yeah, but you can do this and this and this and this. And I'm like, they're, they're not even listening, but I just feel like I'm involved. <laughs> Dude, th- thank you for listening to all my episodes. That's oh, yeah. that's very kind of you. Oh, definitely. And then I know, like, because like in every episode, you talk about like take a snapshot and then like screenshot it and then send it to you and then show 
And I, every once in a while, I just pop in. I'm like, yeah, I'm, maybe he'll see it this time. I'll just drop it, see what happens. <laughs> if you tag me, there's a pretty good chance I'll either share it on Instagram or retweet it, retweet it on Twitter. So, <laughs> dude, thank you. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right. So, you know, it, it's no secret, but I definitely wanted to ask this a question because I ask this question to every person. Who is Chris Family? Sorry. I, okay, you're back. You were frozen for a second there. <laughs> so first question right off the jump, I was just going to ask is who's Chris Van Vliet? That is a great question. I'm still trying to figure out who Chris Van Vliet is. Thank you for pronouncing my name correctly, though. I think that that's a really big part of it. it yeah, it's pronounced Van Vliet. And I get man, so many different pronunciations of that. But I think I'm just someone who's passionate. I'm passionate about all the things that I am passionate about, which are broadcasting and sports and obviously pro wrestling. Now it's a lot of content creation and I, the things that I love, bass fishing as well. And I've you know, turned that into a business called Woo Tungsten. Woo Tungsten. Sorry, I got to pronounce it correctly. I'm a passionate person and I'm a curious person. And I think that I'm at the intersection of all of those things coming together, which has led to the career path that I'm on. That's awesome though. And it, it is, it, it's like, when I listen to your show, like it is like your positivity is intoxicating. And I find myself like just being genuinely excited because I'm like, you can tell, like there's certain people that you listen to and you're like, you're not in the right, you're not talking about the things that you want to talk about. You're talking about things that somebody else wants to talk about. But when sure. I listen to you, like you genuinely want to talk about those things. And it's just, it's infectious. And I find myself like laughing along with like everything, whether it is like MJF force feeding you an omelet or it's taking 22 chops like in a ring. Like, I'm like, wow. Like, but you get to see those interviews and then you see the connections that you make with those guys. And it genuinely, it just seems like two friends just talking in a room and I get to like, just hang out and listen. And those have always been my favorite kind of interviews. Like even growing up before I had the great privilege of being able to be on TV or be able to be on the radio is I just love people that made broadcasting feel like real life. And I think that we grew up in a time where, you know, I was a kid in the nineties. We grew up in a time when a lot of the television presenters and a lot of the television hosts were speaking like they were like speaking down to you. They were speaking like, welcome back to the show. Here we are. And I just never thought that people, you know, people don't really talk like that in real life. So I was really drawn into people like Ryan Seacrest, Joe Rogan, when he was hosting Fear Factor, I was drawn into that very authentic style of talking to the camera like it's your friend or talking to your interview subject like you've known them for years, even if you just met them. So I was very drawn into that. And I just kind of wanted to try to replicate that in my own style. I, I love the idea of treating these as conversations rather than treating them as interviews. Because I think that you can really get scared by that word interview with a capital I. I think that it kind of freaks people out. But when it's a conversation, it's so different, right? Like if you and I were to go out for a beer tonight, we wouldn't be like, all right, so I'm going to say this, and then Cliff is going to say this. And when he's done <laughs> saying that, then I'm going to say that. You wouldn't do that. No. You would just be present in the moment you'd be listening. So I've really tried my best to do that as much as I can. I'm not always successful at it, but I try to just stay present in the moment and genuinely listen to what that person's saying. I feel like that's something that that's kind of lost on a lot of people 
is that in, and I and I and I say that in the sense of like even when I see people go to like wrestling shows, I see people at concerts, right? They're always on their phone or they're just not not present in the moment, right? Like something like I do with my character, right? Is and this is <laughs> the most ridiculous thing, but I love it. So I my my character is like Deadpool meets the wrestling world, right? And in the sense that I do this move where a guy will throw like a line, I'll do a forward roll, I pop back up, and I. I just I shoot him like in the shoulders and in the knees. I have a pretend gun. I know it's pretend. I know the crowd knows it, but they laugh every, they get a kick out of it. And you can tell like who saw it and who did it because when it happens, everybody is like, you'll see on words like what happened? And then they, yeah. see, they see the next move and they're like, well, what did I miss? Cause yeah. everybody else is like laughing about it. And uh, I had one kid when I first did it, right. I had one kid tell his dad, he didn't even remember my name, which was one thing. I was like, all right, cool. But he goes, dad, I got to meet the guy who goes pew, pew, pew. And I was like, all right, well, now you know that. Cool. Maybe you'll get to know me. Does this mean you don't have red dog, like big letters on your ass? I have it on my side pants, on my pants. Ah, Because this is the thing, right? Even if they, it's usually the opposite. If they don't remember any of your moves set or they don't remember your entrance or whatever, they can at least be like, ah, I know his name because it's on his ass. Right. And it, it, you would see like a big red dog, like on my ah, leg. Okay. <laughs> like I, it's genuinely like one of those things that like, I, I, I laughed about it and the kid was so cool. Like, you know, like I, saw, I took pictures with him and stuff like that. Oh, but great. I was, I thought it was funny that the one thing that he remembered was the gun spot. And so yeah. I was like, all right, cool. But I could tell like nobody else, like some of the people that were watching, they weren't watching and they, yeah. I could see them in the crowd. They were like, what did he do? What, what happened? I'm like, be present, like have that conversation. It's fun. <laughs> well, also what it, what you did in that moment, and this is a big thing I learned from Bully Ray. I asked him like, what's the best advice that you have for workers that are coming up? And he said, get over. That's it, like get over. I don't care how you do it, just get over. And that's exactly what you did in that moment. So <laughs> great job. <laughs> it's funny too, man. Cause like you see like, I've seen like the changes in like certain characters or certain people and how they portray their character. And I've watched like the changes and, you know, the reason like even my character is like Deadpool, right. Is because I was former military and then I, I transitioned into the wrestling world. And my first character was like very stoic and very like, I'm a military man. This is how I am. And I was like, I, I don't talk like that. I can't connect. I can't be present with something if you can't connect with it. And so my trainer was like, what do you do? I was like, I talk shit. And he's like, then talk shit. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Cause I was always under the impression that like, kind of like whatever you're given, that's what you're given. Right. Because that's what we've been. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a child of the nineties as well, but WWE was like, you're a wrestler and you're this and you're mm. that person. And so I was like, well, that's who I'm supposed to be. And I was like, I don't like this. So my trainer was like, do something cool. And I was like, all right, bet. (laughs) So we went for it. But I mean, when you look back, so very few wrestlers had success with their first gimmick. And a lot of people had success with their fourth gimmick or their sixth gimmick or their very last gimmick, you know, as they were like, you know, towards the end of their careers. So I think it's just a matter of finding out what works and finding out, like you said, what's authentic to you. And sounds like you found it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, like what got you to love pro wrestling though? 
I was always aware of it growing up, you know, again, as a child of the nineties, I was aware of it. Like it would be on TV at my grandparents' house. Not that my grandpa was a huge wrestling fan, but he just loved having sports on the TV. So if it wasn't baseball or football or especially hockey growing up in Canada, you know, wrestling would be on on a Saturday night. So I was aware of ultimate warrior and Coco beware and macho man, like all those characters, but I didn't really start watching till the late nineties you know, when the Attitude Era was a huge thing. And it's because of my very good friend, Vince. No relation to Vince McMahon, of course. <laughs> no, not Vince McMahon. So I had a really good friend when I was 16 named Vince. And you do this crazy thing in the 90s. When you have a good friend, you do this crazy thing called talking on the phone. Wild, right? So we would talk on the phone every single Monday night. And I knew that exactly nine o'clock, our phone call would come abruptly to an end because he had to watch wrestling because he was a huge fan. And one Monday night, we weren't quite done our conversation. And I said, all right, let me, let me put this on TV. We'll continue our thought here while we're both looking at the TV. And I just sucked into it. Like I loved it, immediately loved it. And it was Austin McMahon was the big storyline at the time. And I just fell in love with the larger than life characters and quickly became a huge rock fan. And so much so <laughs> that I would walk around my high school asking people questions simply so I could shout, it doesn't matter what you think at them. And I went from watching no wrestling to watching every wrestling show that was you know, on TV, WWE and Nitro. And I watched Thunder and I watched ECW and I started watching the pay-per-views. I became a backyard wrestler in a backyard wrestling federation in my hometown of Pickering, Ontario. So I just, you know, again, back to what we started talking about at the beginning of this interview, I'm a passionate person and I became passionate about this. And like a lot of other young wrestling fans, this became a really big part of my identity and I loved it and still do. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause like I, I got introduced to it through my aunt um, and we were sitting down and she was like, it was Saturday morning, right? I'll never forget it. Saturday morning. And I'm sitting on the couch and she goes here, just watch this. And uh, you, maybe, maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. I don't know. And so she kind of like left me, she went to get some cereal and stuff and she came back and there's this guy wrapped up in the ropes and he's like struggling to get out. But there's another dude with a giant cobra and then the cobra bites the other guy. And I was like, is it always like this? And she's like, no. And she's like trying to cover my eyes. I'm like moving around, trying to watch. Didn't they put like red X's on the screen during that? Yeah, they did. So ridiculous. It was a Saturday morning show. It came out like yeah. my cartoons. I was like, what is this? And I remember like at that moment being attached to Jake the Snake Roberts and yeah. as well as Macho Man. And then later I would end up finding it again with this upright kid who was from Canada as well. And uh, they would refer to him as the Lionheart. Mm -hmm. And then I fell in love with wrestling all over again because of Chris Jericho. And then ultimately I found Rey Mysterio and I was like, this is this is where I got to be and I feel like it and that and you might have the same thing too do you ever feel like no matter what you did in your life like wrestling was like always around like almost to like point where you're like I feel like I'm supposed to do this in my life at some point <laughs> yeah I look I think whatever it is that you're interested in you can find that somewhere in your life if you're looking hard enough for it 
but I would turn like everyday situations into wrestling promos or I would, I was, I ran for vice president of my student council, like right after I became a big wrestling fan. And Oh, it was so stupid. I had (laughs) my friends dress up in APA shirts and like pretend they were part of the AP. It was so silly. So yes, I completely relate to what you're talking about because I did it. I did it in my everyday life. I would find scenarios that had nothing to do with wrestling and I would weave wrestling into, we had a, when when Survivor was a new show on TV, which was on on Thursday nights, we did a Survivor day at my high school. And I went, well, not everybody likes Survivor. But you know what else is on on Thursday nights? Smackdown's on on Thursday nights. So this is going to be Survivor slash Smackdown day. And like my other members of the student council were like, uh, I guess. And that was just, that was the way that I process things. And that works. Yeah, it's funny because like when I was in college, um, I was on the wrestling team and I had another friend that enjoyed watching wrestling as well. Um, And we used to watch Raw and Smackdown together. And then... um, we both left college, right? It was what it was. But we ended up both joining the military. We both ended up finding each other again because we lost track of each other. We both found each other in the pro wrestling scene. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so it was crazy to re- be able to reconnect with him and talk with him. And now, like, he's all over the place. He's he's getting more and more massive, and I'm super happy for him. But yeah, it's it's crazy to think, like, how wrestling has always been, like, attached to me. In fact, so much that I've introduced my daughter to it. And she has her favorite wrestlers and she gets to talk to them. She gets to talk to one of them whenever she wants. <laughs> like they're super cool with it. So it was, it's, it's definitely been awesome to be attached to it. I'm just curious. Like, I know that you, this is like the world that you wanted to be in, but how did you find yourself in getting involved in the sport? So I was always working as an entertainment reporter and television hosts. Like when I was, when I started my broadcasting career, that was mainly what I was doing. So When you work in entertainment news, you have the great fortune of being able to interview people from all different walks of entertainment. So actors and directors and comedians and musicians. And then every once in a while, wrestling comes to town and you get to do an interview with the wrestlers. So the first time that WWE came to town, I was working in Vancouver for MTV2 Canada. And I just said to my boss, I said, do you think we could interview a wrestler? And she said, yeah, we've done that before. Sure. And I was like, oh my God. I get to interview a wrestler. And it was Bobby Lashley. He was the ECW champion at the time. This was 2007. And that's kind of how it started. Every time WWE or Ring of Honor or Impact was coming to town, I would just find a way to interview them for a TV segment. And that was kind of it. It was once a year, then it was twice a year, then it was three times a year and just kind of kept ramping up. And I was taking the raw versions of those interviews, the uncut versions, putting them on my YouTube channel simply because I wanted people to be able to share the full experience with me and like taking the full interviews. So that was kind of how it began, but I was always passionate about wrestling. I went to wrestling school when I was 20 was kind of at a crossroads where I was like, do I continue with school, like school, school, or do I continue with wrestling school? And it was like, which one do I want to do? And I decided, you know, I'll go with school, school. I'll get my communication studies degree. Wrestling will always be there and, you know, always has been there. And I've been able to have a broadcasting background. And then every once in a while, just dip my toe into the wrestling world, whether it's with an interview or maybe a spot in the ring or, you know, main event, like 
ring announcing or something like that. I'm just curious though for for you because I know like you said like you're a massive fan of The Rock. What was that moment like when you actually got to hit the rock bottom in <laughs> in an event? That was that was not really that planned out. So in a nutshell, I had this year long storyline with Nikki Valentino, <clears throat> Nikki Valentino, this is prime wrestling in Ohio. And I was the guest ring announcer for a match between Johnny Gargano and Jimmy Jacobs. Like how cool is that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Jimmy Jacobs was the heel at the time. Nikki Valentino was in his corner and Nikki Valentino came over to grab the chair that I was sitting on to try to win the match. And I was like, you can't have this chair. We're fighting over the chair. He ends up hitting me in the head with it but it's caused a big enough distraction that Jimmy Jacobs loses the match and Nikki Valentino goes on a losing streak for the next year and he blames it on me. So we have a year long storyline leading up to this match. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wrestle you, but I ended up getting somebody else to wrestle in my place. Josh prohibition who had made this return to wrestling and Nikki Valentino was like, well, at the end, like you're going to like, you're going to finally like get over on me. So he, I'll never forget. He goes, give me a fed move. And I'm like, oh, like, he's like, I don't know. Why don't you give me the stunner? I'm like, how about the rock bottom? He goes, you think you can do it? And like I'd done the rock bottom in backyard wrestling, or I'd done the rock bottom on every trampoline I'd ever stepped on. Right. And I'm like, I think we could do it. And I, we like walked through it and he's like, that's a pretty good rock bottom. I'm like, well, I hope we can pull this off during the show. And we did. And I think it was a big like reaction from the crowd, a big surprise for them because they didn't expect to see that coming. And I don't know, more than anything, I'm just proud that I was able to pull that off in front of an audience. Like even if it was an absolutely terrible rock bottom, which I don't think it was, I think it was a pretty good rock bottom. I'm just glad that I was able to do that in front of a crowd instead of just like me doing it to my buddy while we've had a few beers, like, you know, in a <laughs> hotel room or something like that, you know? Right. <laughs> that is that is super cool because I know like um I I was working with a person and it was like it wasn't really the first time like I've taken I because because I was training and stuff I'd taken like power bombs before but I never did one in a match and so when the opportunity popped up you know when my friends was like hey do you want to end this with a power bomb I was like <laughs> sure yeah and yeah I got he's like are you sure you can get yourself up I was like oh I know I can <laughs> not worried about that part I was like, it was so real. Like it was, it was so crazy. Cause I felt like everything slowed down. Like as I was falling down and uh, as soon as I hit the ground, like all that pain came in I was like, yeah, you know what? Like this was worth it. And I look up and I just see a 350 pound man just <laughs> diving into me. It was like, that was not worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't tickle, right? No. So I'm curious, like you've, obviously like had a, a huge bunch of things happen. I just want to know, like, what's one of the worst bumps you've taken? I, I haven't taken a ton of bumps, like in the ring in front of a crowd, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I trained for a few months. We were just learning like the basics. So we were learning like locking up and like headlocks and reversals, scoop slams. Like I'm sure you did when you were training, like where you're just like getting scoop slammed, like, one after another, after another, after another. And I'm not saying that that's that difficult of a move, but when you're not used to it, it's like, it takes the wind out of you like bad, but there's definitely a video. Maybe you've seen it on my YouTube channel where Gangrel gives me the impaler DDT. 
And I took it so wrong. Like he's an absolute legend and there's, you know, he should be in the WWE hall of fame. Gangrel is an absolute legend and one of the nicest people on the face of the planet. And we did a TV segment where we trained at his wrestling school, which is called Gangrel's wrestling asylum in Dania beach. And after like locking it up and doing all the basics, I said, it would be such an honor if you gave me your finisher. And he's like, you think you can take it? I'm like, ah, I've taken DDTs before for sure. And I just jumped too high. You know, it's, a, it's supposed to be a move where you jump up and then flatten out. And I just did the jump up part. And I landed like straight on my head and knock on wood. I'm so, so lucky that nothing happened other than me getting the wind knocked out of me. But it was a real lesson learned that like, okay, we should have probably done that on like a crash mat first and then been like, okay, yeah, now let's do it for real. But I went right into it and just got a little... A little too into it, I think. Because you're just like, I, I'm so hyped that this is going to happen. And Yeah, it's Gangrel, you know? Right. I, yeah. I, you know, it's funny because one, one, like, one of my favorite like training moments, right? Mind you, I don't know why it was, but one of my favorite training moments, right? I was uh, working with James Ellsworth, right? Um, he's friends with, one, with my trainer. Um, and so he's teaching me the Memphis spot, right? And so he keeps telling me, he's like, Hey, you're doing a great job, but we got to do it again. But I'm not, I'm not registering why we have to do it again. I probably took 40 bumps in probably less than 10 minutes. And he was like, yeah, you know what, buddy? Uh, the reason why is because you're instead of, and I knew the rules, right? We know the rules left over, right. But I was popping up. Like I was sitting up and then mm-hmm. getting up and he was like, no, 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 no this is why we're redoing it. And so I had to do the same spot so many times. And uh, finally I figured like, once he kind of pointed it out, I was like, okay, bet. Yeah. And I got it. And I just got it. And he was like, it took you long enough. I was like, yeah, my back's going to feel it tomorrow. <laughs> and he just, he laughed about it. Okay. We're back. <laughs> what I, what I leave off at. I, I think I heard the end of that story. Okay. So. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite the, uh, quite the experience, but, uh, it was and quite it was, the lesson learned. Yeah. Lesson. Yeah. Always get it left. Don't, don't just pop up. It's bad for you. <laughs> so what's been like one of the hardest hits you've taken like in a ring. Oh, that was it for sure. That gangrel spot was so stupid. And I, I would, I, I'm so grateful that I did it. I'm also grateful that I learned from it and learned what not to do, but that was definitely the spot. I mean, I think a lot of people will point to the 20 chops that I got at flatbacks with Sean Spears and Tyler Breeze, who I love those guys. And it looked painful. It was, you know, chops, they hurt. They definitely take a little bit of the wind out of you. But I watch back that Impaler DDT video, especially at the point of impact when my head is basically like going straight into the mat. And I'm just like, I'm really lucky that I can move all my appendages right now. <laughs> yeah, I I remember like seeing it and I was like, oh, like, yeah, that it was not rough. right. And, you know, again, nothing on Gangrel. Like, he's the best. I just, I messed up and I have definitely learned from it. You know, it's funny because you mentioned the 20 chops, like before, like whenever I'm working with a guy before I ever like, we'll be, we'll be doing something. I always, I always think of, of Cassie, right? And I'm always like, chop him! And then I just <laughs> lay in. I lay one in every single time. I thought that moment 
was so funny and it stuck with me and I it stuck with me so much that whenever I'm like in a match or I see my friends are working one once I see them hit the corner this is the first thing I yell out and they always know it's me but I'm always yelling that out <laughs> look I was in the ring with three either current WWE superstars at the time or former you know Sean Spears was working for AEW or is working for AEW I'm actually really glad Peyton Royce didn't add on to those chops. Like very well could have been 22 chops and I'm glad that it wasn't. <laughs> what's, um, what's been like one of the hardest lessons that you've had to learn as you've been like coming up? Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm learning them every single day. And I, I think that Ryan Seacrest said it best where if you're not watching your old stuff back and kind of cringing a little because you've improved so much, then you're not going in the right direction. So I think it's just been like constantly like improving. And I think it's every single day you're learning something. And for me, the craft that I'm always trying to work on is how to be better on camera, how to be better as an interviewer, how to be a better host. And I do that by watching people who are far more talented than I am. And I just think the the biggest lesson to learn is that you're never done learning and that you should always be taking that student mentality of like, okay, what can I learn today? And great. What can I learn tomorrow? And just kind of moving forward with that. I like that. Cause you know, it, it's, 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 it's awesome that you said that because every time I like, I, I do watch back a lot of these and I cringe a lot. Um, but I think like CM Punk, right. CM Punk said it too, where he's like, I'm a white belt for life. And I think about that all the time. Like, yep. I, I try not to, I, I got to, I had a really bad habit of downgrading myself so much to the point where like, it wasn't even being, it wasn't like humbling yourself. It was just straight being negative towards yourself. And I had to cut that out and start telling like, dude, like you have to look back at the people you talk to and, and the lessons you've learned. And then hearing CM Punk say that. And I was like, that, that clicked with me instantly. Yeah. So I definitely yeah. love the fact, I, I love the aspect of just saying, you're a student for life, like be a student for life. It's important. Yeah, and you're always going to be your own worst critic, but I think it's important to also celebrate the little wins along the way. And I think that there's, sure, there's a lot of bad in every situation, a lot of bad in every match or interview or whatever it is, every conversation. But there's also a lot of good too. So I think it's important to go, all right, this needed work, but hey, that was pretty good. I like that. Oh yeah, definitely. I 100% I agree. Um, I, my, my last question, my last heavy hitting question before we get into the second best segment of the three count podcast. Um, what's the advice that you would give to like upcoming wrestlers and podcasters? Oh man, there's so much. And I think to, to kind of loop it all in one, whether you're an upcoming podcaster, content creator, or wrestler is first of all, just start. I think there's a lot of people who have the dream of doing this, the dream of starting a podcast or a YouTube channel or the dream of becoming a pro wrestler or whatever it is, you know, whether it's a career goal or a personal goal, you've got that dream of doing it, but a lot of people never take that first step. So I'd say the biggest advice is go for it. Like bet on yourself, trust your gut, and then find a way to do it. Like the people that you look up to are no different than you. They just actually went for it. And I think that it's important to go, all right, CM Punk, The Rock, John Cena, Kenny Omega, insert name here, whoever it is. They're in the position that they're in, not because they're any more innately talented than you are. It's just, they went for it. And they built on the small successes that they had. 
And, you know, it's the idea of realizing, and this is a Will Smith thing and going to kind of, oh, I hope we didn't cut out here too much. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Uh Uh-oh. <laughs> Let's see where we come back here. It's funny though because I can still hear you like perfectly clear. <laughs> okay, you were frozen. So I wanted to make sure <laughs> wanted to make sure we got the story in. Will Smith tells this great story about building a brick wall. And I think the idea is you would look at this as like, oh my God, I've got to build this brick wall. And he said, No, your job is to lay a brick. And then try to lay the next brick better than you laid that last brick. And then to keep doing that. Your job isn't building a wall. Your job is laying a brick. And it's important to look at those people who have accomplished the things that you want to do and go, they've done this step by step by step by step. So the best advice I would have is to go for it. Realize where you're at and make a a goal for where you want to be and a plan of how to get there. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I definitely, because like, you know, we said that this is 200 and I definitely told myself and told uh, my co my partner, right. His name's Chaz. He actually runs our debate show that we have every Sunday. Um, and we're actually on season, we're on season hiatus. Okay. Until <laughs> actually the following Sunday when this comes out. Um, but we, uh, the plan is to do a hundred at interviews next year right Love for it. 20 2022 yep. and again taking something that you always say vague goals <laughs> give you vague yeah. results and mm-hmm. we're very i was like i want 100 interviews that i want to release <clears throat> one every week um or twice every week yep. and i want to go out and i was like the name of the game is to get at least one dude <laughs> from the wwe and one and at least one person who's on the main roster for aew right um, and I've always told people that if I get my big three, I would retire from the show tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and, and the big three is Ray Mysterio, Sting and Chris Jericho. I was like, when I get those guys on the show, when I get the last one, that's it. Like, no, that's not it because, because then you'll have a new goal after <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I was like, but to me, like, that's the Mecca. <laughs> like, those are the- yeah, but then, but it's white belt for life. Right. So it it's, is. once you get those three, it's like, all right, well, who else? <laughs> If, you know what it's a great it's a great way because like to me like, it's like the, this is the goal like i'm going to interview so many people and I, yeah. i'm going to get knowledge from everybody and we'll see where it goes <laughs> but i was like those are my big three that i'm like i will i will get those interviews one day <laughs> i love that i love that so those are all my heavy hitting questions so i definitely want to get into the second best segment and you're probably wondering what's the first right and that's the red dogs power rankings that you can find every sunday on our debate show and so this is the three count podcast, 10 count questions. And Mr. Van Vliet, this is how it works. I'm going to fire off 10 questions that you rabbit fast. Whatever's your answer, that's your answer. Okay. All right. So we'll put on the imaginary timer for added pressure. Bing. Okay. Ooh, here, so much pressure now. Here we go. Smackdown or Raw? Ah, both. Favorite movie? Of all time, Back to the Future. Greatest movie. Hey. <laughs> We go from two two trees to one, all because we hit a all, we, all because we hit a hit a tree. <laughs> Mario or Sonic? Mario. Favorite color? Blue. Night owl or early bird? Early bird. Like I've been waking up with a time that begins at with a six for a while now, and I just feel like I have so much more day. 
Also, I live on the West Coast. So if I'm a night owl and I'm staying up to midnight, most of my friends are, it's three in the morning. So nobody's going to be awake. <laughs> All right. Favorite catchphrase. Oh my gosh. Wow. If you listen to my podcast, I certainly say, here we go a lot, which is, you know, it's a nice hat tip to Mike Goldberg, which is really a Bud Light like slogan. You know, this fight clock brought to you by Bud Light. Here we go. <laughs> I love I've always loved, and I say it in my everyday life all the time. Like <laughs> I'm going over to my buddy's house to like have a drink. It's like, here we go. <laughs> I love Mike. I'm you know what? Like when him and full trans when him and Joe were together, I thought that was like the greatest announced team of like all time. Although I, agree. I do and love- look, Mike Goldberg's still very good at what he does in Bellator, yep. but I Mike Goldberg and Joe Rogan. That's the GOAT UFC commentary team to me. Facts. Um, all right. Bench press or squats? A bench press. Every day is chest day, right? No, no, no. <laughs> Every Monday. Squats are definitely a better movement for functionality, but I, I, there's nothing better than grabbing a, a bench press bar and you know, trying to throw up a bunch of weight. Listen, JR said it best, okay? People look at arms and chests, all right? They don't worry about the legs. <laughs> yep. I'll never forget hearing that. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so, favorite pastime? Oh, right. Probably right now, it's probably hiking. I do so much hiking out here and it's such a great exercise so look i will put that under the umbrella of just like working out or exercising i just love it but also fishing love bass fishing been super passionate about bass fishing like almost my whole life so there you go there's two and eating pizza so three (laughs) uh nominate one person that you want to see on the show my show or your show on my show Mm, chris jericho so one one day that's that's the goal <laughs> there you go and last but not least my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this show favorite curse word i don't curse a lot don't curse a lot but i recently had a podcast episode that i titled what the fuck are you waiting for <laughs> and it kind of talks about the advice that we were just talking about a few minutes ago that so many people stand right on the edge of the thing that they want to do. And the whole purpose of the episode is to just kind of like look in the mirror and ask yourself, like, what the fuck are you waiting for? And the answer is generally speaking that you're scared. You're scared of failing. You're scared of not living up to the expectations that you or other people have set for you. So I will say in the context of that episode, it'll be the F word only because I think that it's really important for people in any walk of their life to kind of ask themselves, like, what are you holding back from? Like, and why are you holding yourself back? Listen, I, I will agree with you. A good F-bomb is always necessary somewhere in a sentence. I, I genuinely, when I'm not doing this, I'm it's pretty regular. That's in my vocabulary. But to add to what you were talking about, right? Um, will Smith was talking about his skydiving episode where he was afraid to skydive. And he said, mm-hmm. On the other side of ecstasy is fear, or on the mm. other side of fear is ecstasy. He's like, and you got to get past that to get to where you want to get to. And I genuinely think that that was like such great advice. And that's why I think, and, and you, you talk about living up to like expectations of other people. And I know we're still kind of rambling. I'm sorry, guys, but um, 
but I, I thought about that too, where like my whole life, like I have done everything that everybody else has asked me to do. And I never did what I wanted to do. And so finally mm-hmm. I was like, I'm here. I've done everything I've people have asked. I'm joining the wrestling league. I'm going to be a pro wrestler and this is where I'm going to be at. So Love this has definitely been a trip for me. But the last thing I just need from you, sir, is to let our, our viewers and our listeners know where they can find you. Well, look, to just kind of jump off that last point you were making, I love this quote. It's that fear doesn't prevent us from dying. Fear prevents us from living. And I think that that's a really important thing, whether we're talking about skydiving, bungee jumping, swimming with sharks or swimming with alligators, or chasing after that thing that you want to do, like going to wrestling school or starting a podcast or whatever it happens to be. So fear doesn't prevent you from dying. Fear prevents you from living. And people can find my podcast, Insight with Chris Van Vliet, wherever they're listening to this right now. I'm on YouTube, Chris Van Vliet. I have a secondary channel, CVV Clips, where we're putting the best snippets of my favorite interviews on there. And wherever you are on social media, it's just my name, Chris Van Vliet. And Cliff, Red Dog, Clifford, Sherpa, whatever we want to call you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for sharing this time with me. Yeah, thank you again for coming on. But you know what that means? We got to take this home, right? Because this is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Into the Ring. And like I said, like Chris said, I am your host, Clifford Red Dog, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. That's right. You can call me your Sherpa. But like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it better than you can. And that's why it's never about me, but it's about who's entering the ring. And today, you see him here, a part of our 200th episode. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the man with all of the insight, Chris Van Vliet. And you guys know what to do. Tune in to the next episode and be there or... You just wait for this episode to end. You wait for that outro and you choose another episode. Peace. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod. Give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod. Give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give us a subscribe, turn the bell on, turn on notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast and in there you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. At ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So show us some support, please.